0: With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton.
1: It is Tuesday, September 29th, 2020, season 16, episode number 33. Welcome to another edition of The Break. We're live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Got Amber at the Star, Dave's at his home, and we've got a good... 45 minutes of cowboys talk here with you guys today it's tuesday so it's big picture day and i had one whole set of of things that we were going to talk about today and then jerry got on the radio and completely changed that so we got a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about here at least in the first segment maybe into the second segment uh that came from jerry's interview this morning with our partner station 105.3 the fan here locally um, and then a little later in the show, we're going to follow up on some stuff we wanted to get to yesterday. Some performance reviews, a couple players that we didn't get a chance to talk about specifically uh, that I want us to dive into a little bit. And then we'll find out, get into the final segment uh, where we'll get some fan questions from you guys. Hopefully you guys have some questions or some comments about some different things around this team that, uh, that I can then post to this group to be able to answer. So let's talk about Jerry. Uh, he's on the fan this morning. And uh, there were a few things he talked about that I thought stood out. Let's start first with the one that's, that's more tactical. Um, he, he was talking about Lyle Collins and his injury, and he said, we don't know, I don't know, the doctors don't know. We're trying to work through some structural issues, some structure issues. The longer you go, the less optimistic you get. Sounding more and more, and we heard the same thing from, from Coach McCarthy yesterday, sounding more and more like surgery is an option here. What did you hear from from Jerry, and what are you thinking right now with regards to where Lyle stands? We'll go with you, Dave. Uh,
2: what I'm thinking is that I'm, I'm pretty worried about Lyle Collins' long-term availability. How could you not be based on um, what you've been hearing the last 24 or so hours? I think it starts with yesterday, which uh, I, I don't know if this counts as behind the scenes, but you just kind of learn how to read between the lines once you've done this job for a long enough time. And Todd Archer from ESPN asks the question, is surgery something you're considering for Lyle Collins? Basically out of nowhere, which Todd Archer's very good at his job, and when somebody who's very good at their job asks a question like that, it's probably because he's gotten an inkling from one direction or another that maybe that's something that the Cowboys are considering. And Mike McCarthy didn't shoot it down at all. He said it's something they have to weigh. Jerry Jones said the same thing. He, actually, he said, we don't know. Uh, the doctors don't know. I don't know. You know. We're playing it by ear. The longer this goes, the less optimistic you get. Um, So it's a hip problem. That's about as much as anybody's been willing to say. And I'm hoping for the best. But when you, you know, you piece all this stuff together, it certainly doesn't sound like Lyle Collins' return is imminent. And if he does need to have surgery, then it'll probably be much later in the season, if at all. So um, I'm just kind of discouraged by the thought that, you know, he was so good last year and, and it might be a pretty hefty amount of time before we see him play again. Nick, how
1: how big of a problem do you see this as if Lyle should have to have surgery and is out for a prolonged period of time for the offensive line? Yeah.
3: Like, well, uh, for the team, yeah, for, the, yeah, team, for the offensive yeah, line, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's 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 a problem, but because of the fact that he hasn't been there and you know, they if Tyron can come back, now you just got one offensive lineman that you have or tackle that you have to you know figure out and and i think you you're seeing some options here you know it could be zach martin now you know which means you need you still need a guard or or it could be brandon knight on the right side or maybe terrence Steele, whatever but i I feel better about it because you just like you got to figure out one guy to to try to replace and maybe that guy is zach martin which means then you need a, a guard you know and maybe that's looney or mcgovern or maybe you go get one or whatever but i'm just saying i feel better about it because you're forced to see these options and they've been okay they haven't been great but if it's zach martin and tyron smith as your tackles i think you can figure out the inside amber you agree or do you think this is
1: a bigger problem it's a big problem no i said bigger problem bigger problem i was trying to specify okay bigger problem
4: (laughs) <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's a big problem, but I think that they, the somewhat advantage, um, kind of going back into something that Nick mentioned, was the fact that they've known this since the start of training camp that they have issues with um, Lyle Collins' health. So they've been able to at least kind of somewhat prepare for it. What worries me, even though I think Dak Prescott has been doing a really, really good job, it, it, it worries me the fact that he has to deal with something like that throughout for the rest of the season. I mean, that is a lot of pressure that your quarterback is having to get and having to figure out. Also, if they're not able to improve and solidify the offensive line, I wonder how much it's gonna start affecting Ezekiel Elliott's game. And we know how important it is for the Cowboys to utilize Zeke and run the ball because at the end of the day, I mean, most games they've won it when Zeke has a good game. So it, it, it's it's tough for the Cowboys, but hopefully after what they were able to, to see from tape from last game, they're able to create a better combination to prepare for future games.
1: Dave do you know where this all came from because it I, I don't know it may just be me but it seemed like coming into training camp I had no idea that Lyle was was dealing with anything and obviously when the offseason, you wouldn't think that you're doing things that create these kinds of issues but do you know where this all came from and how they end up in this position where surgery is even a part of the conversation?
2: It's a really it's really frustrating and the short answer is I don't uh, but I have a feeling that I would. If I was able to wander around the facility and bump into trainers and coaches and or whoever Lyle. the heck else might have, or or, or I mean, or honestly, Lyle, right. I, he really—I mean, obviously, he went to LSU. He's a very nice guy. He is one of my closest connections on the team. Yeah, I could probably talk to him himself if I was able to go into the locker room. Call him. Um, so it, it's frustrating. <laughs> Although I do, I do want to point out, you know, he comes, he comes to camp. He's out. Mike McCarthy downplays the heck out of it, which, like, that's nothing new. Teams lie about this type of stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But what makes it – I guess what makes it frustrating is when you downplay it like that, then people take you at your word and all of a sudden now it's – you know, you assume it's not a big problem. So when it turns into a big problem, it always feels like the player gets the blame. I've seen a ton of people – talking trash about lyle collins for being like out of shape like like this is all happening because he came to camp out of shape and let's be clear he honestly could have lyle collins might have come to camp out of shape but you don't miss a month of the season and maybe need surgery as a pro athlete because you didn't take your conditioning seriously enough um that's ridiculous like if all lyle collins was was out of shape you just play your way back in over time I highly doubt you would even go on injured reserve. So it's just frustrating that I understand that teams want to be careful with the details, but you create, you know, when you don't give out information, people fill in the gaps on their own and it turns into a convoluted story, which just makes it frustrating. Yeah.
1: Um, real quick, Nick, did, what's the likelihood on on, on Tyron Smith? You did mention him a little bit earlier. What are we hearing as far as his return and the likelihood that he may be ready this week?
3: Uh, I would guess that he plays this week. If I had to guess, I um, I wasn't getting that feeling last week. Now I did see him warm up a little bit on the field, and I, it, you know, I think he could have played maybe right then. I mean, like if it's a playoff game, you know, I, that's what I heard twice was during you know on Sunday. I heard it's a long season, so it's like okay, well you don't want to force him here in, in week three, but. Um, it's still a, a long season, but if you lose to the Browns and you're one and three, it could be a really long season. So I, I think, you know, at some point, you, you, you got to say, you know, you got to get out there and play. And I, I can't imagine if he could have played two weeks ago, probably could have played last week. I would imagine he plays this week. All
1: right. Uh, which, if if going to be out for an extended period of time, like you said earlier, I think it's even more important that the Cowboys can get Tyron back because then you're just dealing with one well, tackle
3: position rather than two. Well, I'm curious who plays right tackle, though. Like who? Who plays?
1: I, I personally, I have
3: actually Knight. thought
1: that Brandon Knight played has played really well I, for what he's been given. Yeah, and and so I would love to see him be the guy that they put over at right tackle and just see where it goes from there. I, mean, I think he's be, been better than Steele.
3: Yeah, I mean, it could be Steele if if you know if he was just sick. If that's all it was, was well, that's what was, they're
1: saying. I it didn't look like that to me, but obviously, I'm not on the sideline, and I certainly wasn't there Saturday night when yeah. they said he wasn't when he started not feeling well. So. um you know, yeah. who knows?
3: I, I just think that you've got to figure out, is is Knight or Steele a better option at at tackle or the guard that plays in there it, because you move, you know, Zach Martin out there? And and here's another thing you have to weigh. Is if, I mean, Zach Martin's a 99 player, right? 98, was his Madden rating is like 98. Okay? Give him a 99. Okay, 99. But is he a 99 at right tackle? Looked look pretty good to me. He looked good to me too. I'm just saying. But what if he's a, you know, what if he's an 88? What if he's okay? Yeah. Are you sac- What are you sacrificing there? Because you know.
1: Well, I think then what you have to figure out is is whoever would have been at right tackle, are they a 60? And is that guard that would have been moved? You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. That's where you got to realize. I, I I think right now you're looking for your five best and put your five best on the
3: field. Yeah. I, I you know I said almost said this yesterday. We didn't have time, but. Tony Rumble used to always say at the, to the right tackle, "Don't hold the guy, because I can see him and I will make him miss. So if he's coming through, don't you don't have to hold him. I'll I'll make sure he gets away from me. I mean, Dak is that's sort of the same way. Amber asked yesterday, what's one position that you you could maybe be okay with? I think it is right tackle because you see that guy coming if he gets free. All
1: right, let's move on to another topic that Jerry hit. This one was a little smaller.
4: Name, topic. name your five best guys.
3: Oh. Okay. She, she messes up your whole uh, outlook you know your whole outline, but it's okay. No, it's okay. Like that's it. a great that's actually a really great question.
1: What we'll go around the table. I'll start, Zach. Your top five. No, 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 no. Give Dang. your five. Don't just give one. <laughs> Dang, I thought <laughs> give we could five. just do it no, as a give team. Your five. Give me your
3: five. Who are your All five right, best? Well then Amber starts. <laughs> Amber, you're up.
4: Oh, okay. <laughs> you asked the question. Honestly, let's go. <laughs> Uh, true, true. I mean, we keep talking about wanting to have the fa- uh, the five best guys on the field and shuffling around accordingly. I think that, obviously, Zach Martin, Joe Looney, um,
3: whoa, whoa, whoa.
4: Connor Williams, he's, he's he's still in the mix in there, I, I, I guess, regardless of the way he's been playing, which, quite frankly, I expected him to be doing better this year. Um, but then... Brandon Knight you have that and honestly I did not hate what um
3: Beadish. oh my
4: god I, I forgot his name Beadish. uh Biedis I did not hate what he did I think that if they give him more practice there and I saw him get a lot of help from Joe Looney as far as being Joe Looney was still from what I saw in the game he was still being the one who was communicating everything so I think if there is a combination there of helping each other out um I would say for me, I would like to see that combo again.
3: All right, Nick. Um, I will say this: Biadish was saying after the game that he um, was able to do the calls. Uh, I'm sure Looney helped a lot, you know, just in, with yeah. lining up and all that. But but it is good. It is always important for the center to do that. So he was able to do that at least. Um, I, th- I think you forgot Tyron Smith, or in, or not? I, I putting, think we all assume. Assuming Tyron. Yeah, okay. we assume Tyron. So. I, I would play – I think if playing this game, I would play Tyron at left. Um, I'd keep Connor in there at left guard. I would start um, Biadish, and I would play Zach and then um, Knight. So you think Looney would be the guy that would be out for you? Yeah. He's a, he's a three-way backup. I mean, he's a guard-guard center backup. It's valuable to take. Even though that's not as a big deal anymore, Dave, because you have to take eight linemen – anyways to the game. So having all these versatile players, I mean, it's nice to have, but, you know, you can have at least eight. You have to have eight. So, Dave.
2: Uh Yeah, I mean, I think what the coaches would probably do is just plug Knight or Steele at right tackle and try to keep the continuity everywhere else. I think, you know, Mike McCarthy would probably trying to keep as many guys in place as possible. But if it doesn't look pretty – I definitely think Tyler Beata should be in there. And then you have the choice of, you know, are you sending Looney to the bench or are you moving Looney to left guard for Connor Williams? Because, I I mean, if you had to identify the two problem spots, it's it's probably those two. I mean, you can talk about tackle all day, but we know why they're struggling. Whereas, you know, Connor and Joe are the day one starters. Uh, So I'm not ready to pull the plug on it yet. But if they do, if they do continue to struggle, I would put Biotis at center, and then either Looney at left guard, or, um, or excuse me, or keep Looney at center and move somebody else to left guard. Either way, like the Connor and Joe are the two spots that that give me problems.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm completely with you. I think the the issues that I saw last week, um, the, obviously the, the tackles they had a couple plays here and there. But I I was expecting that from them, and I think they managed that relatively well. Um, I'm a little more concerned about the left guard and the center position. So I would take Tyron. I would take uh, Zach Martin. I would take uh, Biotis at center. I would make Knight my right tackle. And then, to be honest with you, you give me any one of the three, Looney, Williams, or McGovern at left guard, I would like to see them personally. Give McGovern a shot. Let's see what he can do because I don't think those other two guys have necessarily done so great to where you're like, well, we can't can't get better there. So, uh, again, maybe well, they're seeing something else in practice he, where they're like, hey, McGovern's just not ready. He's not as good as these other guys, and maybe that is a big problem. But I, you know, again, my two problem guys really have been Looney and Williams. I I was expecting a lot more from those two players.
3: We we got a mailbag question this morning. I don't know how Dave answered it, but it was like, why is McGovern not getting any looks? And I was like, well, he's getting looks in practice, not for us, but (laughs) but he's not doing anything with it. You know, obviously in practice. So, I mean, it's not like so.
4: So you'd rather have someone with zero experience and take out a veteran guy?
1: Yeah, but if the veteran's not playing very well, veteran doesn't really matter. You know, I mean, look at Cam Irving. Cam Irving had experience, and they decided this year going into the season, this was before he got hurt, they were like, we'd rather go with a guy that has zero experience than put him out there. So I I don't think experience is always necessarily the most important thing. But with the game on the line,
3: he he gave up a huge sack at the end of the game. I'm not sure Cam Irving would or would not have done that. That's what I'm saying. And my point
1: is he might have. And and so I think you're kind of trying to weigh – is the experience going to be beneficial if the guy really is not that good? You know, I mean, experience doesn't always mean that they're that they're better. Yeah. All right. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to continue with a couple other topics that Jerry hit. And, uh, and then we'll get into a little bit of performance reviews from the game as well. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio.
2: We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper
5: and Cream Soda's here, a new combo that's music to my ears, okay, let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time, pour it in a glass of
2: ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth, new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda.
5: A delicious duet. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys?
3: Back to the break. The Cleveland Browns are coming to town. Here's your chance to go to the game. Get your tickets to see the Cowboys take on Cleveland when they return to at and Stadium Sunday, October 4th. A limited number of tickets are on sale now. Get yours at dallascowboys.com slash tickets. Welcome back. It is the second segment of The Break Live
1: from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the start. We're talking about Jerry Jones and his comments this morning on 105.3, the fan here locally in Dallas. And uh, let's move on to the second topic. This topic is one that I think everybody wants to talk about, which is the safety position. And uh, he was asked about the safety position and asked specifically about Earl Thomas. And Jerry's response was, I think the fair question is, do I want us to play better? And the answer is Yes. Do I see that we've got a path to getting better without doing something that is out of our control, which is acquiring a player? This is not necessarily in our control at all. Circumstances or the demands might be something that you don't want to do. All right, so here's the questions I have for you guys coming out of that. First thing he mentioned was that the path for them getting better was with the guys that they have. You guys agree or disagree with that comment? Let's start first with you, Dave.
2: I think I already said yesterday, I don't agree. Um, So, so no, I mean, mean, and, and, you know, Jerry, honestly, I think the first five questions of his interview today were about the DBs. I mean, he, you know, people are always saying to hold, hold people accountable. I mean, he got hammered about it for, for 10, 12 solid minutes, uh, whether it's about signing somebody like Earl Thomas or why do you think the DBs can get better? He talked a lot about, um, you know, basically said like given more time uh, these guys can pick up the scheme better and, and use their instincts to be in better position and I guess my rebuttal to that is uh, what's your margin for error I mean because you're, you're one and two and you know the Browns aren't the best team in the NFL but they're definitely talented like this, is, this isn't this is going to be easy I know the, the schedule lets up a little bit here with uh, you know New York and Washington and maybe even Philly on the horizon but the Browns aren't part of that, so what? You you could be a one and three if you have two or three more coverage busts. And I just I just wonder what the margin for error is. That's my line of thinking. Amber.
4: Um well I keep thinking that I need to stop stressing out about this whole subject because if they're not stressing out, why should I be stressing out about it? So there's that. Um, As far as Jerry's comments go, I think that one thing that we always hear them say is if they want a player, if they want someone, they're gonna get it. So I I really don't know what goes on behind doors and what's really happening as to why they they really aren't talking about bringing in a guy for help. But as far as the group of guys that they currently have, I see it being really tough to make drastic changes, changes as far as drastic improvement in the middle of the season. I remember when I did the whole documentary on Connor Williams and I was talking about him and they went, they went through the whole uh, coaching, uh, the position coach, uh, what was his name? I forget. That got Paul fired. Paul Alexander. And they changed Alexander, the yeah. O-line coach. I was talking
1: about Colombo, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, Paul Alexander.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when that I, I talking to Connor Williams about that period, I remember he, him talking about how difficult it, it is to change and make drastic improvement in the middle of the season. So, Uh-oh. how much change can you actually see when these guys are having to prepare week by week for the next opponent? How much are these guys able to personally? Each guy's get the help that they specifically need as far as improving their game on the field and all that communication. So I, I just don't see it changing in the short term. I think it's going to take a longer period for us to see something uh, good enough for us to say, OK, they, they really are making this happen.
3: Yeah. Nick. Um I kind of forgot what
1: the what is your question? Should I, do, you, do you agree or disagree that, that they can actually just get better with the guys that they have without having to bring someone else in? Uh,
3: no, I don't. I don't know. I, if they're going to get better at safety, that means the pass rush is going to get better to help them. I just don't think those guys are going to just magically get better, but. I will say the second question he, asked about, he answered about Earl Thomas I think is, is interesting as well because he says, there are ways you can get better. There are prices you pay to get to t- acquire talent. There are progress stoppers if you have a different plan. So it almost sounds like he's calling Earl Thomas or one of those veterans a progress stopper. But, I mean, whose progress are we stopping? <laughs> yeah. Donovan Wilson? I mean, I don't yes. understand whose progress we're stopping, but I think Amber said it right. If they wanted Earl Thomas, they would have gotten him. They don't. They don't want him. They've they've looked into it. They know it, and the player you see with the All-Pros and the Pro Bowls and all that stuff, they don't think he's that player, and again, like I said before, I don't believe that they think he is healthy, so they don't want him. Let me ask you this question. Do
1: you guys think that at other times in their career, let's go back to last season, that Darian Thompson and Xavier Woods played better than they're playing
3: right now. I guess. I mean, I just, mm-hmm. we just, we didn't see them, these guys just running through them like that. I mean, we just didn't see the. I mean, it's also, I guess, a, a different a different scheme. And know? that's that's kind of the reason why I'm asking
1: the question is if we think that they've been better in their career here than what we're seeing right now, it does maybe suggest that. Maybe there's an issue here with communication, with scheme, with them figuring out their role in certain situations. Maybe again, one thing that we know, kind of as a big picture thing, is the story on on the defense that they ran last year was that it's a much more simplified defense. They kind of, you know, kind of play this a pretty simple scheme. This year, the idea is that it's not as simple a scheme. If that's all true, then maybe there is some credence to the fact that that these guys aren't playing up to their best because they're not as prepared. or And I want to, don't want to say it like that because that, does, that makes it seem like they're not working hard. They're just not communicating and doing their jobs as well because they are having issues kind of fitting into the scheme and understanding what their roles right. are in each and every play. Can you guys buy into that at all?
2: A couple thoughts. One, I, One, yes, I do like I understand – Given all of the circumstances, they probably just don't have it completely nailed down to where this scheme is muscle memory. Number one, yes, I think Xavier Woods has played better at times during his career than he is right now. Darian Thompson, I don't think there was ever a large enough sample size to know how good he was. I think, you know, he spot started three times because of injuries last year. I don't remember him being awful. I don't remember him being great. The other thing. They had an all-pro cornerback who they didn't have to worry about his side of the field nearly as often as they probably do now with Trayvon Diggs, a rookie, and a grab bag of, of journeyman veterans trying to handle the rest of it. So he might not get interceptions, but I think Byron Jones probably made these guys' lives easier in the past, and that's not something you can forget about either.
1: It does feel like to me though they're putting uh, they're, they're kind of leaving digs out there on an island quite a bit. Like there have been times we've seen him over these last two weeks, especially where they've left him out there with some really good receivers, and he didn't have help. He was out there just kind of having to figure it out. So I don't know that they necessarily are too worried about throwing him out there. They, yeah. they seem to be very comfortable with throwing him out there in the same way they did with, with it's Byron. Not- it's not insane. yielding the same yeah. results, right? So. No, I, no, I get that. But your point, your point was that the safeties didn't have as much to worry about. Well, it doesn't seem like they're worrying about that too much either, because they're still leaving digs on an island. At least, at least a part of the game, we're seeing him out there by himself and not really having that safety help.
3: Yeah, I, I, I just think, you know, I, I think that the cornerback position is is affecting safety. I really believe that, but I also think that. You know, maybe this coaching staff, with how good they are, how good they've been, as far as, you know, veteran coaches that have been there. Some of these guys have been head coaches. I think they came in here and they thought, you know, they'd have a plan and everything would be great. But there's a reason why they have all these OTAs in the mini camps and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. And there's no way a virtual meeting, you know, is the same as just being in here, just like a virtual, you know, podcast isn't the same when everyone's in here. And so. That has to be factor in. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I, have to go look. Is there, is there a new coaching staff out there, a first year coach that, is that are doing that's doing really well this year? I don't know. I, I there, there might be, but I just think the continuity of staffs and, and and schemes and systems is probably helping teams through this you know weird time. And that's not an excuse. It's just reality. It's you, you're implementing a new scheme. Yeah, there, there's going to be more busts than there were before. Yeah.
1: All right, we're going to take our final break. When we come back, I want to jump into some of the performance reviews. There are a couple guys I want to point out from this weekend, get your opinions on how you think they played, and we'll have a couple other questions for you guys on those topics. We'll be right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. Since
0: 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today
2: at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com.
0: Back
3: to the break. DCU. Get the ultimate fan experience for the ultimate Cowboys fan. It's Dallas Cowboys United, presented by Globe Life. Starting at just $20. Visit dallascowboys.com slash united.
1: DCU. Welcome back. We're in the final segment of The Break Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Uh, Let's do some performance reviews. We're going to talk about a few players uh, from Sunday's game and some of the things that they did. And I have some questions for you on those guys. We did talk about Dak yesterday, obviously, and and what he was able to do in that game. He was 35 of 57, 65% completion rate, 472 passing yards, three touchdowns two interceptions, a 93.6 passer rating. By all accounts, really, really great day. He gets tons of credit, obviously, for playing outstanding, outstandingly throughout the game. How much blame do you guys attribute to him for coming up short in that final play? Let's start with you, Nick. Um, the final play? Oh, the final drive. The final I mean, drive? not being able to actually yeah. get his team across the finish line to finish that game.
3: Mm, I mean... Yeah, I mean it, it it's on him. I mean he's 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 the quarterback. I mean he he's the one that uh you know, he gets the loss, you know. So uh, it, that's that's the way that it goes. I think he you know, I think he played well throughout the game. I mean, given the circumstance, I think he played really well. But, you know, I, as I've said before, I, I just think they're trying He's – they're putting too much on him. He doesn't need to be – I don't think he's a quarterback that should be throwing it 57 times. I mean, I don't know if any quarterback really is, but I don't think that's really his game. Um, and if we're re- being really honest, I mean, as great as he's playing, that's Seattle's – Seattle is letting him do it. I mean, it, it's very clear. They don't they, – they'll let Dak – you know, get his yards and get all that. At the end of the day, they're going to make him one-dimensional. As long as they stopped Zeke, that was their focus. They stopped Zeke, and they were able to win. So, um, you know, Dak's still going to get his money and all this stuff. But I mean, there are teams out there that are saying, "We'll let Dak beat us. We're not going to let Zeke beat us."
1: Amber, how much blame do you give Dak?
4: Um, I know there are a lot of people blaming him a lot, but me personally, I think he's been he's been playing well, and you don't play, football is not a solo game, you need a whole team to play football, so he's just, he's not the only one out there, I just, the way I see it, I don't think it should have gotten to those last six seconds of the game, and for him to make that throw and miss and get it intercepted, yes, he made mistakes, but at the end of the day, it is a collective effort from everyone, and he's been doing his part, I think. So everyone else just needs to, to step it up as well and g- give him some help. He, he's carrying a lot of weight, I think, this year.
2: Dave. Uh, I just, I, I mean, all right, let's start with what the question actually was. Um, I mean, obviously you prefer he makes that much on him for for trying to pull something out of nothing. Um, 29 of 32 quarterbacks in this league get sacked on that play and the game ends. Uh, Dak was, he was trying to make something out of nothing. Yeah, he probably could have scrambled, gotten some yards and gotten out of bounds. He probably could have thrown it away. But I've never played quarterback at, at, at any kind of level, let alone the NFL. You're probably more focused with looking downfield to see if you have a throw than looking at the clock to see just how much time you have. So I don't blame him there. Uh, the the interception before halftime was a backbreaker, uh, especially because he had Amari. He had the throw. He just waited too long, and not only does that give Seattle a chance to score right before halftime, but it, it just it kills your ability to score before halftime, and it takes away the impact of being able to try to score on the first drive of the third quarter. I thought like. You you can't screw that throw up, and you're gonna throw picks absolutely. But that was just it was horrendous timing on Dak's part. As for everything else, I loved it um, because I've seen I've seen the Cowboys stubbornly try to run Zeke into a brick wall when the pass is working. It was the Vikings game last year. Uh, the coaching staff was obsessed with trying to put the game in Zeke's hands And, and that didn't work either Even though Zach, uh, Dak was throwing the ball all over the field So um, if you're going to pay a quarterback that kind of money He has to be able to put the team on his back in that situation And that's what Dak did I think they get run out of that building on Sunday If Dak doesn't throw for 300 yards in the second half And basically say, alright, the running game's not working I got this And it didn't work out That doesn't mean Dak played poorly Um, I thought, I thought he was great. And I hope the coaching staff keeps that same energy because they're probably going to need it because I do agree on Nick with one thing, which is that opponents are still going to commit to stopping Zeke because if you don't, then you just make it even easier. Um, so Dak's probably going to have to do that a few more times. And I, I hope the coaching staff is receptive to letting him do it.
1: Yeah, I would just go back to that drive to, to reiterate what you're saying, Dave. I'd go back to that drive. I can't remember what the score was, but it, it was at the point in the game. I remember I, I said to you guys, I was like, oh, this must be the end because I don't think they're coming back on a Seattle team like they did at Atlanta. And Cowboys get the ball and literally in three plays, bop, 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 touchdown. And, uh, and that's where I was like, okay, this is a little different offense. This offense <laughs> yeah. has the ability to quick strike you. And, and they can get back into games really quickly and score points really quickly. So yeah, I think that's all about Dak.
3: You know where I think Dak... And the offense can be better, and if you look at some of the other quarterbacks that they have success, is I think I have to go look at the stats, but I just don't see a lot of one-yard touchdown passes, two-yard touchdown passes. I mean, I know they have Zeke; they try to they go jumbo tight ends and Antoine Woods and all that. But I mean, you look at Russell Wilson throwing touchdowns to Tyler Lockett for one yard. I mean, still being able to spread out your offense and and trusting the quarterback to make those plays and all that, I think if, if the Cowboys got a little bit more dynamic in that play calling where play actions and things like that that are open and throw the ball a little bit more, then it would open up runs even more. I don't know why they commit so much to the jumbo packages and all that.
1: Are you talking about just in red zone situation or about, goal yeah, line
3: situation? Goal line and red zone, I, I think that you, know, you see other quarterbacks throw it more. Now, Dak also runs runs it more, right. so that that's a weapon that they don't have. But I think if they tried a little bit more passing and just run base offense out of the one or two yard line, I still think it would open up things for Zeke. And I think it would open. I mean, the receivers you, you still have better matchups out there.
1: But do you think that's been a problem area for them running and or getting in the end zone when they're around the one or two yard line?
3: Ah, uh, I mean, I think. I think red zone, pro- red zone issues have been – yeah, I think, I think they, they do have problems that running because they try to go – they think that because T.E. is next to your name, that means you're a good blocker, and that's not the case. That's not the case. They, they go these jumbo tight ends and jumbo packages, strength on strength, and that doesn't work. And so uh, it took every inch they could just to get the ball in the other day, Sunday.
1: Okay, Let's move on to the next one. We were talking about Zeke. Uh, He had 14 carries for 34 yards, 2.4 average. Not great for him, Uh, one touchdown. But he had six receptions, and here's the interesting part. He had 12 targets for 24 yards. Cowboys were very clearly – they thought they saw something coming into the game where they thought they could take advantage of the Seahawks' defense with screens and and that kind of stuff, and quite frankly, it just did not work. Seattle bottled it up the whole day. What do you think was going wrong there? Was that an issue of – that defense is just really, really good. Do you think the Cowboys are having a hard time blocking it up? What do you think went wrong there? Let's start first with you, Dave.
2: Uh, defense credit the defense if you want to. I think the cow or the the Seahawks have one of the smartest, best, most experienced linebacker cores in the NFL, and that's that's who stops screens more often than not. Throw Jamal Adams in there before he got hurt. And you've got three guys who are really great at diagnosing that and getting guys on the ground, Bobby Wagner, K.J. Wright, Jamal Adams. Uh, so maybe they saw something on tape, but Seattle self-scouted and figured it out because that wasn't happening. And then the one time they really did draw it up the right way, Zeke dropped it. You know, Zeke dropped one. I don't remember right now when it was, but he had open field in front of him. It's at least 12, if not 20 or more yards, and just dropped it. Um I think PFF gave him three drops on the day. It could be as many as five. It was just a brutal day for Ezekiel Elliott. And one complaint for the coaching staff is they were still trying that stuff deep into the game. And I'm like, come on, guys. You got favorable matchups on the outside all day. Enough with this stuff. All
1: right, we right, we're gonna. I want to get to a couple other players, so we're going to jump to the next player, Amber. I want to ask you about Cedric Wilson, who was five of seven targets. He had five receptions, seven targets. 107 yards two touchdowns and i I told dave as we were watching the game it was nice to see a guy that we talked about glowingly during training camp actually show up (laughs) because usually when you talk about a guy during training camp it seems like for whatever reason regular season gets here and you don't hear from him again Mm -hmm. but he showed up and showed up in a really really big way i did notice that the cowboys were using a lot more 10 personnel in this game than they had been in previous weeks which is one running back no tight ends four wide receivers um Amber, my question is for you. Do you want to see more of that and maybe you know take Schultz off the field? Which, by the way, this is no slight on Schultz. I think he's been as good as they could have expected uh, when they lost Blake Jarwin. But do you want to see more of this four, uh, this 10 personnel where you're getting four wide receivers involved?
4: I don't know why you're asking me that question because I think you know my answer. I am not – I mean, to be fair, credit to Schultz. He did a nice job but but I am still not fully convinced. So yes, when they get a chance to do that, go for it. I I am not in love with the tight end position right now, so I'm all up for it. And Cedric Wilson completely impressed me. Uh, It wasn't necessarily a surprise because we've seen what he has and the talent that he has, but it was a surprise to see him play as much as he did and be able to perform the way that he did as far as taking advantage of those opportunities, because sometimes we get very used to seeing just, you know, Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, and now CeeDee Lamb. So the fact that that the Cowboys were able to provide him more opportunities, um, even after he made the, the thumbs up for that. Go for it.
1: All right. Nick, we'll go to the final question uh, with you. Alden Smith had four tackles, three sacks, four quarterback hits, uh, one pass defense. Obviously, right now, he's leading the NFL in in sacks, but I think the Cowboys are getting far more production than they even could have imagined when they made this signing for a guy that hadn't played in Mm -hmm. five years. That all being said, I'm going to take you to the other side. How concerned are you that Griffin and Lawrence, together, combined only had three tackles and one quarterback hit during that game.
3: Yeah, it's concerning because uh, the way they tried to play that game, that's why you have to play it with Russell Wilson, uh, is that you ha- those four guys have to get home, and they really weren't at all. And, uh, you know, that that's something I don't think the secondary we're, – we're talking about a lot with the secondary is, you know how many times in that game they were covering for four, five, six seconds? I mean – that that I think is the biggest issue, and so and yeah,
1: some of those sacks were actually coverage sacks. Coverage sacks. The, the, the guys on the back end were doing a better job. Exactly I think, right. in those instances. Yeah, I, yeah.
3: I, I think you know D. Law is is uh, he's he's banged up because he didn't even finish the game. Um, that's what McCarthy said that yesterday. Griffin, still you know. He he said it himself. I mean, is he's, he's trying to work himself back into shape? I mean, I, or not shape, but I mean, work himself. You know, and in, in with the new scheme and, and all this stuff, it's still early in the season. But you know, you could we can say that all day about how early it is, but the, but the games are counting on the, on the standings. Yeah. I mean, they count.
1: So. What, what do you think is the issue there, Dave and, and Amber? I'd love for you guys to jump in here. What do you think is the biggest issue with regards to the Cowboys' pass rush right now? Let's start with you, Dave.
2: Jeez, um, the biggest issue with the Cowboys' pass rush is—is is it a hot take to say that like I don't think that they were terrible on Sunday? Like, am I stupid for saying that? Well, Alden Smith obviously I, I played
1: mean, very, very well, but I guess let let me let me limit that down. Do you think you're getting enough pass rush productivity from guys like Tank and Griffin,
2: and if not, why? Clear, clearly not. I mean, obviously, I I do like I think especially if he's dealing with a knee injury, I thought Demarcus Lawrence and I guess let me stop myself because he's on a 20 million dollar salary. So you can always ask for more. But this was the best of his three games. I thought he was active, thought he was disruptive. He helped Alvin Smith on a couple of those sacks. Obviously, you want more. The guy doesn't have a sack through three games, but I was encouraged. And again, you know, the unique mobility of this quarterback makes it even tougher to gauge a pass rush. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in Everson, you know, Everson Griffin laid it out pretty eloquently. It, it's always cool when NFL players actually speak about it. Is you know, it, well, he, it was week two. Now it's week three. Of a new season and a new scheme without having a real training camp, it's, it's an excuse. And like Nick said, like the, the games count in the standings. But I do believe that. I think it was also uh, it was Gerald McCoy. Love having him on Twitter too. He basically said. You're not going to see the team that it will eventually become until about week five. Like week five is when it sort of comes together into the product that you're going to see pushing into November and December. And that's during a regular NFL season, let alone this one. So I do buy it. I do buy it. But at the same time, I don't blame anybody for not wanting to hear it because the games count. It doesn't matter that you didn't have a training camp. Mm -hmm.
1: What do you think, Amber?
4: I agree, but I mean, you're about to head into week four. So at one point, that has to stop being the excuse as far as like, oh, you you didn't have a training camp together. It takes time to build the whole dynamic between the lines. So at one point, you got to get past that. I do agree with Dave in the fact that I think they did play better this past uh, weekend, just in the fact that you were, you were able to see uh, Russell Wilson not have complete comfort. He, he did get it some pressure so there was some disruption there it's not necessarily at the level that we all expected to see it and thank god they they do have Alden smith which i don't think anyone really i mean we we thought he was going to be a good player but i don't think we thought that he was going to have such a great impact as he's had so far so uh what exactly is, is is the problem or the solution here i'm sorry but i don't really have an answer i right. don't really know what the what the real problem is there
1: yeah and i guess if anybody did they'd probably figure it out and they would get it corrected this is one of those things where i think dave's answer is probably the best i've heard so far is that you know this just might take some time and uh, if they're still doing these things and and this is the production when you get to mid-season then guess what this is what you probably can rely on for the rest of the year right and right. and that, it's just a weird year it's just a weird year. what about randy gregory I mean, what if
3: he comes back the way Alden Smith came back?
1: Well, the difference is when Alden Smith left, Alden Smith was probably one of the best, if not the best, pass rusher in the NFL. I don't think Gregory ever got there before he
3: left, so he's coming back on a little hey, different trajectory. If he comes back as a guy that can get six sacks, you know, like he did last when he was when he left, I mean, he was a productive player. He was he was a you know a penalty problem at times So we'll see if we can get
4: penalties. We don't need any more of that. (laughs) True.
3: (laughs) We get plenty of those right now. All right. We appreciate you guys joining us. We're
1: back tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going to get into Cowboys versus Browns. We're going to have uh, Bucky joining us as usual. He'll talk about that Browns offense versus the Cowboys defense. Till then for Nick Eatman, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia. I am Derek Eagles, and this has been The Break live on DallasCowboys.com. Radio.